Welcome to the Inspiring Social Entrepreneurs Podcast. My name is Fergal Byrne. Every week, I talk to inspiring social entrepreneurs and changemakers dedicated to building a better world. Here, they tell their stories, the highs and the lows, and share what they have learned to help other social entrepreneurs and changemakers on their journey. I'm very pleased today to be speaking to Seth Goldman. Seth is co-founder of Honest Tea, a company which he set up in his home in 1998 with his business professor at the Yale School of Management. The company's mission was to create and promote great-tasting, truly healthy organic beverages. Honest Tea launched the first wholly organic bottled tea in America and has continued to innovate since that time. It was the first company to introduce a fair trade certified bottled tea and soon became the best-selling bottled tea brand in the natural foods industry in the U.S., in 2011, Honest Tea was acquired by the Coca-Cola company. Seth has remained with the company since that time and is president and TEO. I'm very pleased today to be speaking to Seth Goldman. Seth is co-founder of Honest Tea, a company which he set up in his home in 1998 with his business professor at the Yale School of Management. The mission was to create and promote great-tasting, healthy, organic beverages. It launched a popular range of bottled teas, including the first wholly organic, and soon became the best-selling bottled tea in the natural foods industry, and reportedly Barack Obama's favourite. In 2011, Honest Tea was acquired by Coca-Cola, and Seth has remained with the company since that time as president and TEO. Welcome, Seth, to Inspiring Social Entrepreneurs. Can you perhaps give us a little bit of background how you came to set up Honest Tea? Well, the ideas for it really emerged out of the classroom when I was a very nailed up student at the Yale School of Management. We were doing a case study of the beverage industry, and we were talking about what were the opportunities, where were the holes in the marketplace, and of course, at first, it's hard to imagine there are any holes because we all walk the beverage aisles and we see hundreds of uh, different packages and colors and formulations and names. Uh, and yet at the time, I had, I had said and Barry had agreed that what was missing was that there were all these drinks that were very sweet and a lot of drinks that were, um, you know, had um, artificial ingredients or had uh, then others that, had, that weren't sweet and just had, you know, very little flavor. And so we both thought there was an opportunity in, the, in that middle space with a little bit of flavor, but everything natural. And uh, at the time, Barry was interested in you know, making samples and doing focus groups, and I was uh, in my second year of business school, so I really just needed to find a, j- a job. So I said, well, I, it's interesting. I can't do anything about it. Um, but I did keep that entrepreneurial uh, itch, and a few years after leaving business school, I circled back with Barry and said I, I felt like I was ready to do something about it. And so... He was uh, still attuned to the opportunity and excited about the opportunity, and that was how we came to, to partner on it. 
Right, right. That's, I mean, did you think of yourself as a social entrepreneur at the time? Um, and, and, and does that, is, is that an important yeah. kind of idea, do you think? I, I thought of myself as an entrepreneur. And I, you know, uh, had been involved, had, had uh, run a nonprofit before going to business school. And I think for me, you know, the excitement really was about building an organization, building a mission-driven organization. And, and if you had told me before I launched that it would have been a, uh, a for-profit or a non-profit, I would have been more concerned with the mission. And in fact, even if you describe Honesty today, as, a, as you could talk about it as a, a, an organization that is helping to remove billions of calories from the American diet, that is helping to promote uh, and convert uh, land uh, to become orga- organic agriculture, and helping to elevate and support international fair labor standards, you know, that, that could easily be the mission of a, a nonprofit. So for me, uh, it's about leading a mission-driven organization, and it, it is absolutely one that currently is in the form of a, of a for-profit, though I should note that for the first 10 years, it was really in the form of a non-profit, just not, not by design. Yes, right, right. Um, and, and I mean, I, I know somewhere you said that uh, at the beginning, from the beginning, that, you know, honesty, you felt had a strongly differentiated product and, and kind of clear brand concept. I mean, how important is that? Um, you know, I mean, I know resi- yeah. resilience is a great quality for any kind of entrepreneur, but I suppose you need to have something uh, that has some fundamental uh, quality and, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. And that, you know, that's just a fundamental, that's, that's just the rule of the marketplace. That's not about social entrepreneurship. That's any entrepreneur who's going to help hope to create a, a sustainable, uh, you know, organization. The world is too competitive. The marketplace is too competitive to be able to, to build something unless it has a reason for being. And, and frankly, you know, we see in the nonprofit sector, and I'm still very involved in the nonprofit sector, as is, is my wife, and we see often nonprofits that come to, uh, to be that really don't have a distinct purpose that is unique and different from other nonprofits. It, you know, it may be in a local area, and what they really should be doing is figuring out a way to either collaborate um, or but differentiate. And, and so that's just a fundamental um, need of any anyone trying to, to build an enterprise yeah it is interesting you often see in, in some of these areas so many different organizations it's hard to distinguish between you know the goals of one from another um and and you you sometimes think that um if if they work together there'd be more that have, that have more impact um and, and so forth um you i mean this is i guess you know the idea was an organic and fair trade bottle tea in, in essential. Well, not in the beginning. In the beginning, it was just a less sweet uh, tea. So, in our own ACT, less sweet beverage. We started with a drink that, you know, when the marketplace had 100 calories on average per 8-ounce serving, we started with a drink that had roughly 17. That was our initial offering. And we had some organic ingredients. And then as we evolved, we continued to learn more about the product and its attribution. Of course, we learned about tea and the way it was produced, and we realized that organic tea would make a significant difference, um, both to the taste, but also to the way, the impact on the earth. I mean, the fact that um, tea leaves are never rinsed, uh, so that means that if chemicals are sprayed on a tea leaf, those chemicals are going to stay on the leaf until hot water is poured on the leaves, and that's what gets rinsed into the drink. Uh, so for us, that was a pretty... Um, compelling reason to move to organic and of course as we learn more about the impact of uh, chemical pesticides herbicides and, and other um, t- 
toxins on the ecosystems. So we, we you know, felt organic made sense. And then as we got to visit more gardens and we realized we could, um, you know, here's, a, here's an ingredient that's sourced from the world's poorest countries and we could um, develop a supply chain that was fair trade certified, but do it in a way that would not uh, create any you know, economic inefficiencies, but we could really be supporting these communities in a, in a very sustainable way. That um, also made it, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, just a direction that made sense for us to move. So these were, I would say, um, you know, in a way the mission has continued to deepen as we've grown. Yes, yeah. I, I, I noticed um, in an interview you talked about this idea of, you know, short-term and longer-term goals that um, I suppose accepting shorter-term uh, goals which are on your path but in, inevitably not exactly where you want to be but that you intend to get in the longer term to, you know, a more purer or, a, you know, closer to your mission but that sometimes you have to take several steps to get there. That's right. Exactly right. Yeah, um, I know that. Uh, I don't know whether you came across the innocent. Um, the, yeah, yes. sure. And I know they had a, uh, or legend has it, they uh, did a uh, sold some smoothies in Regent's Park at a fair, and they had a sign up: "Should we give up our job or not?" And they sold these, and people had to vote. Um, you know. What uh, feedback did you get initially from the, the product that you developed that made you feel confident that the, there was something uh, there? Well, a lot of people, well, you know, before we launched, of course, um, um, a lot of people, uh, you know, I would say needed to be convinced. I think, you know, for us, a, um, what was helpful was that our buyer at Whole Foods, um, you know, got it. He understood why it was useful to try on have taking it into a stores and that was for us a big break but clearly there were people who didn't get it and you know yeah, probably still don't get it <laughs> you know meaning meaning you know i mean they understand the business opportunity but they think you know why would the world want a less sweet drink although i would say they may not care for the taste but they uh, i think everyone now appreciates there's a role for it in the marketplace that um you know the people's both their uh, palettes and and certainly the, the sweetness profile they're looking for wasn't one size fits all and the idea that you know the the marketplace clearly has shifted there's a there are just innumerable uh, the, the choices for you know lower to mid calorie drinks um, is just dramatically different than it was when we were starting out absolutely how do you know I mean how do you make a judgment at that stage whether you know, when people say, no, you, 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 we, we don't get it, um, and you think, well, this is amazing, <laughs> how do you, you know, cross that line or square the circle yeah. in, in well, terms we of... Yeah, you know, had, you know, obviously the, the, there were different levels of people who said they didn't believe in it, and, and for investors who said they didn't believe in it, they had that right to not invest, and uh, all we could say is, okay, well, you know, uh, we'll find somebody else, and, and fortunately we did. For um, retailers who didn't believe in it, that was a challenge. Um, what we could show them was that, and I'd say there, and for retailers and for distributors, the key was persistence. You know, we, we, we never left a room. Well, <laughs> we may have left a meeting disappointed, but we never slammed the door on our way out. We never, uh, you know, uh, and we just kept in touch. We kept them apprised of our progress. And every time we'd check in, we'd have a little bit more of an update about, you know, okay, you, you know, yes. Uh, for example, we we would initially say, okay, well, this tea is doing very well in Whole Foods, and then they would say, well, Whole Foods isn't like the rest of the country, uh, you know. And we say, okay, then we could say, well, this food is doing very well in the natural foods channel, and they say, well, natural foods isn't like the rest of the country. 
And then we would do well in New York City, and they'd say, well, New York City's not like the rest of the country. <laughs> I'd say, well, okay, although, you know, while that may be true, look at the trends, look where, look what's happening in, in your market, and, you'll, you know, they would see their existing businesses not, you know, their existing product lines not growing. They'd see retailers, you know, which retailers were growing? Well, New York, you know, uh, Whole Foods was growing, the Natural Foods Channel was growing, and it was more profitable. And so... You know, part of that is, I would say, being able to um, take rejection politely and uh, recognizing that just because someone doesn't say yes, uh, it also doesn't mean they're necessarily saying, you know, they may not, they may not be saying, they may not be saying yes, they may just be saying, you know, not, uh, they may not be saying no, they just might be saying not yet. Right, right. I mean, that's very interesting. And it goes to the heart of, uh, I think, something that seems to me quite important in terms of, I guess, any business, but as much for social uh, business, where maybe um, uh, social entrepreneurs may be less um, aggressive, shall we say, or or, uh, uh, determined maybe in, in certain ways, you know, the importance of sales. And the importance yeah, of that's a great point. The I importance think it's of very easy um, for someone to make the mistake of thinking sales is crass. Sales is a uh, salesy. You know, we all hear salesy. You think it used car salesman, but any mission-driven business, any mission-driven enterprise needs to be able to um, get validation in the marketplace. So for us, you know, the fact if we're, if people aren't buying our product, we can pat ourselves on. Uh, the back all we want we're not making a difference and so you know we need to be able to um we need to be able to to show that this this is gaining support because the more it grows you know we we, we can talk about a i think i've, I've shared with you before we have a, a sales board in our office it's really the centerpiece of our office and as much as we get excited about the sales you can also call that the mission board because it, every time we make a sale we believe we're we're making an impact on our mission on people's diets, on uh, the environment, on our communities. And if the sales board is empty, then that means, you know, we have zero impact. Uh, so we absolutely are connected to sales. And I, I, I personally make a point of I want to be in, the, in that big sales meeting. I want to meet with that, that core customer. I want to sell it into the person who's been saying no um, because I want to see this grow and I want to I I push uh, and, and sell it, you know, sell the whole concept in to um, the people who are, uh, you know, who we depend on to, to take it to the next level. And so when we talk about self-sustaining, you know, if you're a nonprofit, what, who do you sometimes depend on? You depend on your funders to renew their grants. Well, we, we rely on our consumers every day to renew, you know, they, they're not exactly grants because they get a bottle of tea when they make the decision, but... You know, they we absolutely go to them for funding every day, and and if if we if we fail, if the product isn't made well, or if it doesn't meet their expectations, then we don't get our grant renewed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it is day to day. You got to keep going back and and I guess performing. Um, I mean, I guess one of the things as well uh, that I think is interesting is. Uh, Again, probably just comparing with maybe more traditional entrepreneurship uh, is uh, maybe attitudes to failure and failing and, and I guess, innovation. Um, you know, and for many social entrepreneurs, they're already working in pretty challenging environments. They're taking on some extra objectives um, to deal with. You know, there may not be a structured marketplace or distribution or so forth. Um, but uh, this idea of innovation and the importance of innovation, and I know you know you've launched products that you've uh, that haven't been a big success and uh, keep moving. 
Um, can you tell me a little bit about, you know, how, how important you think innovation is and, you know, I guess the kind of mental uh, outlook or framework to think about that as a social entrepreneur? Yeah. It's critical. It really is. Well, and for so many reasons. So first of all, it's critical because the beverage industry is a very, I don't call it fashionable, but it's a very rapidly changing business. And, and, and you can look at it, and I would say with the exception of water, there probably isn't a beverage that has um, continued to grow without some you know, change in, its, in the way it's presented. And that's, you know, that's true. You know, even even a drink like Coca Cola, I would say now is undergoing a, a transformation of, of the way. You know, it certainly it is the best selling beverage in the world, but it's not the way it used to be. And so, um, we always have to be innovating. And part part of that innovation is because um, new ideas are, are get to the shelf, but because consumers' tastes are changing too. And so, if we had only come to market with, you know, our seventeen calorie teas, I can I can tell you definitively, this business would not have worked. We would have been stuck in our in the small niche that we initially you know managed to succeed in but we we you know have evolved and and so uh, for us innovation is critical to to i'd say succeed on the shelf but it's also critical for our mission and and what that means is okay we bring out you know some initial teas but then when we realize that orga- how important organic is to what we're doing and how it can be within reason that that in fact, allows us to influence our supply chain. And when we made the commitment to organic, uh, well, I say 99, we brought out the world's first organic bottle tea, but by 2004, we got the rest of our ingredients converted to organic. And that sent a signal to all of anyone who wanted to be a supplier for us. You know, we don't even return the call. if it, Well, we ask them. We, we say, are you organic? And if, if you're not organic, you know, it's just not worth having the conversation. We're not going to uh, review it. And, this, and then when we moved to fair trade, first in 2003, but then committing the whole line to fair trade in 2011, you know, that too sends a signal to the suppliers. So it is, it, these are important signals we can send um, to the marketplace. And now we're just launching, uh, next year we've got some exciting new formulations that are zero-calorie drinks. And, you know, usually zero people think zero-calorie, they think no taste. So how can you create a zero-calorie drink that, that does taste good, and how do you make it taste good uh, with zero calories? And so, um, you know, that too is is something um, you know we're excited to see come to market. Uh, but that's all about innovation, and so you just have to continue to re- you know refine and evolve um, the business model. Right, right. Um, how do you do that? <laughs> is that a culture? Well, you're is always, that a cult- you're always you know I'd say it's a dynamic process. So you're always looking at your ingredients. You're always looking at your formulations, you're always in conversation with suppliers about what's coming along, and you're always tinkering in the kitchen, and so for us, we literally are. Um, we're always, you know, at work, <laughs> uh, playing, I'd say, you know, playing around in the kitchen. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Uh, what about branding, Seth? Um, I mean, that's been a, a, I guess it's a great name, um, and, uh, you know, I know I know it's a great brand. Um, what, how important is branding? Um I guess in the social space, maybe uh, in particular, and also, how do you do that when you've got not got very much money? <laughs> uh-huh. Well, look, we've never used money. No, money has never been a, our key factor of, of how we do our branding. So, the first thing is you've really got to make sure your brand is as clear uh, about what you're offering as it can be, and, and this is too often. Uh, underestimated in, in, I'd say, sort of the social enterprise space because, you know, look, we don't have the resources to spend and build a brand name out of, 
you know, so you've got to, someone's got to hear the name and understand what it is. And it, uh, being acquired by a... Um, too different from a, a non-profit, but you, you have a few seconds um, where you get the chance to quote-unquote sell somebody, and I put that in quotes because <laughs> if you consider having a bottle on a shelf a sale, you know, or a sales pitch, then, you know, that's all we get for most people who see our product. And so that bottle and that name and that package have to, have to do as much work, they have to work really hard for us. Um, and so, so, you know, for us, that we're very fortunate, and I give my co-founder Barry the credit for coming up with a name that, that um, is clear what it is, gives an expectation about what it should be, and then I think we've, over the years, evolved our packaging to help communicate that. But it's just critical, and if we had called ourselves oh, Seth and Barry's tea or, or, or Bethesda tea. <laughs> I, I just, you know, what does that mean? You know, it could be, who knows? So branding is really important. It is, especially in a resource-starved environment, it's yeah. got to do, it's got to do, it, it, can't, it can't leave people uh, wondering. Yeah. What, what that, you're about. I mean, that's interesting. When you say clear, what, what, what do you mean? I suppose clear, um, there can be um, a tendency, um, I, I don't know if it's Ben and Jerry's, anyway, I was reading somewhere about, um, about, about being as, as clear about what you're not. Um, and what, what are the dangers? I mean, you talk about being clear and everyone would say, yeah, yeah, yeah well, it's clear. But what does it really mean? Yeah, you've got to be able to get it. You know, you can't sort of have, if you have to ask, <laughs> then, then you know, you're, number one, missing most of the people who, who don't get to have the conversation, right? Yes. And um, so the, the clearer you can be about exactly what you do and exactly what you're offering and why it's different and unique, uh, the better. Yeah, yeah, excellent, excellent. Um, what about this question about profit making, uh, multinational, <laughs> you know, whatever you might call it? I mean, I, I, I spoke to um, Tom Saki and he was talking about this question. You know, we, we discussed this question of, um, you know, uh, working with large companies and working with yeah. companies who, on the face of it, um, you, may, you may have questions about, you know, some parts of the, you know, the, the, the way they operate or some of the activities they do. Um, and I know you can be quite purist about this, or one could be, and say, well, you know, uh, well, you know them or us, that kind of thing. Um, you know, how, how do you look at, at, at that relationship, and how do you think about that in terms of your impact and also working with an organization, which is, you know, a, a very big organization and, 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 and clearly one where, you know, you would hopefully, you would ho hope maybe, too, that they might change and take on some of your values? Well, I think it's, it's obviously an important question. And to me, uh, I can share with you what we did, which was first we made sure uh, we started the relationship with, with Coca-Cola in, in where their role was to be a minority investor and uh, where they didn't have the ability to dictate what we would do. And so that was a very useful uh, relationship because it helped give them confidence that we were going to continue to run the business as we had. I mean, obviously they were attracted to us because we had built something they perceived to be of value. And so three years later, they agreed that, you know, it was, it was continued to be valuable and, and that the way we were doing it was, was useful and that we were good and competent partners. Um, we needed as a company to, to grow and scale the business. I go back to what I said earlier about the mission. If we're not, we're not expanding our impact, then we're not really setting out uh, to achieve all that we hope to achieve. You know, it came back to our idea when we started, which was, 
you know, um, we never set out just to sell healthy drinks to healthy people. It was to to bring these drinks uh, and these ingredients to people who, who wouldn't normally consider themselves organic consumers, who wouldn't normally think about picking up a fair trade certified uh, beverage. And so uh, we needed a partner who could help us reach those people and get scale. And so um, that's where um, the you know partnership with Coca-Cola could make such an impact. And, and so uh, the other thing I would say we did uh, is that we really looked at where our impact comes from. And it wasn't about us giving away profits to different organizations. Of course, we're, we're happy and, and proud when we can do that. But it was, it, it was, we talk about the mission in the bottle. We say when we sell the product as it's designed, that's when our impact happens. So as long as we can build this brand with the lower calorie features, with the organic ingredients, with the fair trade ingredients, that's when our impact happens. And so our job is to sell as many bottles as we can. And, and there won't be a, if, if we build the brand this way, there won't be the temptation or desire to dilute what we've built because that's what the equity, that's what the, the beverage is about. You see that when you're, it's, when it's all about profits, that becomes, I don't want to say disposable, it becomes harder to, you know, if times get tough for the business or, you know, there's less, if there's less profits, if there's no profits, then you don't have the impact. And so, uh, that's where the difference is, is if you're, if it's not dependent on profits, if it's embedded in the business, then it happens regardless of uh, whether you're profitable or not. Excellent, excellent. And a final question. I mean, you talked about Coca-Cola and uh, it's question of partnerships, I think, is an interesting one for social businesses. Um, and any insights into making uh, partnerships work and the importance of partnerships? Well, I, I do think that's important. I think that, you know, number one, and this, is, this isn't just with you know, partners, this is just in general in business, you've you got to do what you say you're going to do. So um, we always, uh, part of that means you, I, I, uh, is to be a little conservative and meaning under promise. Uh, don't, 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 don't tell them you're going to do all these things. Uh, if you, and then if you don't deliver on it, then you end up in a uh, challenging situation, especially in a large corporation. Uh, that's that is a, a real uh, concern. Um, so so uh, I do think it's very important. I don't want to say it's not about under promise over deliver. It's really just about do what you say you're going to do. And and in general, I'd better to be conservative there than over promise. Uh, uh, so that's certainly one of them. The other is is you know you can't you have to make sure your interests are aligned. You know if if. Um, and we're very fortunate that with Coca-Cola, you know, Coca-Cola shares the absolute the same goal, which is we all want to see Honest Tea grow and flourish. We all want to see Honest Tea sell more organic certified drinks, more fair trade certified drinks, and more, you know, lower calorie drinks. And and if those weren't aligned, then that would be a problem. So, yes. uh, and then you know, so our our success is is you know their their success, you know. Uh, as an investment in, uh, for honesty is, is our success. Yes, yes. Excellent. Well, that's been fascinating, Seth, and uh, I really appreciate um, having an opportunity to talk to you. And uh, it sounds like uh, business is good, and uh, I wish you the very best of success. And thank you again for taking the time to speak to inspiring social entrepreneurs. Thank you for listening to the Inspiring Social Entrepreneur podcast. I hope you found this interview inspiring. Please make sure to visit www.inspiringsocialentrepreneurs.com 
and subscribe to make sure you don't miss any future podcasts.